0: Now, when you're out in the desert, the dating life out in the desert, <laughs> did you find some women that were like loved that you lived in a van? Yeah. Was there any women like that? Was like, oh, good, because we can go anywhere at any time, yeah. like free spirit type of thing. Yeah,
1: there was some women that loves it, not enough to be my girlfriend or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yo Show. Welcome to the Michael Yo Show. It's Michael Yo. I am here. I think he's a great comedian. I really do I really do think you're a great comedian. Thank you. Um what's cool is where did we first meet? Was it the first Kill Tony? Kill Tony, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, like, and that's what that's the thing. You came up to me, like comics are really like weird, you know what I mean? But you yeah. came up like I'm a big fan, and we just hit it off, and then um, you know, I was on Kill Tony, I'm horrible on Kill Tony, like I'm the worst <laughs> guest. Because you say that, but no, you were great I was on it. no because you're
1: so positive, and everyone's like getting reamed by Tony, and then yeah, and I'm like
0: the nice guy going, oh no, you're really good, you know, and I'm <laughs> That's I'm not lying. what the show's about. I'm lying. I <laughs> know. I'm totally opposite of the show. But anyway, um, what was great is, you know, a lot of people know you now because of Kill Tony. I love it. We're in, um, we're in Tempe, Arizona right now. Phoenix. Uh, Taylor, the guy that shot my special, we're in his studio. What's the name of your studio? Speakeasy studio. So if you're in this area, make sure you shoot your podcast with him, any comedians that are in town. But I love watching just four or five months ago, you know, when I was on Kill Tony, see you touring with Joe, see you going out with Tony, see you getting your own dates, selling out some of those dates. Um, And then, you know, coming out with me, getting to experience a different audience. Yeah. And I love watching you work through that. You know, it, uh, what what do you find most interesting about like going out with different comedians and and do it yourself, going out by yourself? Uh, I mean, I like the
1: that your audience is more mature and they're like they don't like uh, you know little boy stuff, so they mm-hmm. have to be more confident and be like frame it my shocking stuff in like reality and logic. Yeah. Uh, so it makes me like have to like justify like a court case, like why this is what I'm saying in front of them.
0: What I like is every show I see you working out because you'll start one way and go and the next show. You'll be like, all right, let me. S-. You're always switching up your lineups. You're always adding new jokes and stuff, which is very, very cool to watch just to try to navigate the audience. Uh, How do you start in comedy?
1: Well, I started because of Joe Rogan's podcast. He was just made a sound like a cowboy thing. And like, you go out there, you do your thing, and then you get rewarded. uh, Depending on how long ago was this? Nine years ago.
0: Nine years ago. So you're listening to Joe Rogan, Mm -hmm. and he's a comedian. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm going to do that?
1: Yeah. I got fired from my job as an engineer. I got a 2.7 GPA. No one wanted to hire me. (laughs) I didn't want to work for them. I was like, why am why am I doing this? They don't want me. I don't want them. Yeah. So I was like, let me just do something like goof off, just have fun, like be really good at goofing off.
0: Did you study to be an engineer? Yeah. I so did you got, four got a degree years. as an engineer?
1: Yeah. Georgia Tech.
0: Wow. And you I mean, was that something you wanted to do or were you kind of Not pressured really. into it?
1: It was just a backup plan. Like, since I wasn't doing anything anyways, I was like, oh, let me get this piece of paper. Yeah. That will be great if, if I need it. It's a good thing to have just mm-hmm. in terms of making money. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really good at it. Heart wasn't in it. Uh, and then I found comedy and I was like, this is way better for me.
0: So, Rogan, you listen to Rogan. Nine years ago, you're like, I'm going to try this. Where'd you first try it out?
1: Dry Thai in Seattle, Washington. Is that a restaurant? Yeah, it's a Thai restaurant. (laughs) They have a back room, Uh and uh, it's actually a pretty cool room. Uh, Very legit stage. Uh, Yeah, love the scene there. Um, But yeah, Dry Thai uh, was such a like a beautiful like it's not like a real comedy place, but it's not like a shitty restaurant either. It's like right in the middle, so it
0: just fit. So how was your first time on stage? Was it great? Was it bad? It was all right. Um, I had a good time and
1: I got a rush.
0: Yeah. It's that rush of the first time up there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people know if you're going to really do it or if you're not ever going to do it again. Yeah. Because you got to absorb that rush. And then when you get off, no matter how you do, when you get off the stage, you pretty much know I'm a comedian. This is what I want to do or I'm done with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you don't enjoy it, if you don't enjoy talking to people, then you're not gonna stick through the shitty parts.
0: Yeah, oh, never. What was your? Do you remember the one joke that landed your first time on? Uh,
1: I I, I just said something about rape of Nan King, and that got a reaction. Uh huh. It wasn't positive, <laughs> but I remember it making an impact. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I people can hear me. Yeah. Like I'm not just talking into the void. And then as as long as there's like a fucking uh hire like a like a path then it's like oh i can figure this out eventually
0: so joe rogan you go on stage now you're you you're just in seattle trying to go to certain gigs and stuff like that and i find it amazing you hustled for all that time and then did you ever try to be close to Joe Rogan when he lived in California because I know you—you you lived in a car, right? Yeah, in a van, uh-huh. so you could go wherever you want and do gigs and stuff. But yeah. you knew Rogan was based in LA. L.A. Did you ever try to go to L.A. and break into that scene or no? I visited,
1: but I was too intimidated. I was like, "Oh, they're way out of my reach. I'm not even in the same league." Mm-hmm. So I went to New York, bummed it there for three years. And then I, when they moved to Austin, I when was you there, say
0: bummed it, what does that mean? Just bounced around and yeah, tried to make it work.
1: Open mics, nobody booked me. Uh, just living in a van, just doing all the mics where they can't refuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Worst mic you ever been to? Uh, I mean, I went well, the first time I visited New York. I went to a mic in the back of a bar, and it was all comedians. Ugh. and I tried to do a joke about something, about the comic before me, and some guy was like, be funny. It's like a comedian heckling me. Yeah.
0: Comedians are the worst. To perform. I mean, good comedians, when they're established, it's cool, but when you go to open mics and everybody's just trying to come up, man, they're so, like, judgmental, and yeah. they don't want to give you a laugh. Yeah. They really
1: don't, you Yeah. Know? They want to see you like bomb or like be suffering or like be an
0: idiot, like a clown. So they can feel better about themselves. Yeah. But what's weird is once you reach a certain level, the real comedians that made it wants everyone to win. That's what I say. Most of them. Yeah. They're but positive. They're positive. They want everybody to win. From Segura to Tony, you know, like people don't realize, but Tony actually wants those people to win up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's so talented at like you know, whatever you're roasting or whatever, but <laughs> he wants you to do well yeah. because then you're a part of the show like you, you know? So yeah, it's um uh, it's very interesting how you, you 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 didn't come to LA really. You tried, you went to New York and then what happened after New York? And then the pandemic hit and oh. I was on a road trip
1: in Miami and I was like, well, I don't need to go back. I don't have anything there. Everything I own is in my van. So I went to Seattle and then did six months there, just, you know, hunkering down, uh, social distancing, and then went to L.A. six months, or uh, like three months, and then there was another spike, so I went camping in the desert for like three months. <laughs> did What desert? Uh, You know, the, above Joshua Tree, below Joshua Tree, Mount Superstition. How was that? Was it, I mean, do you, you must be lonely out there by yourself, or do you meet people, or? I met a couple people, but yeah, yeah I loved being alone. Just because you're around people all the time, and just yeah. to get none of it, it's just it's just like oh, this is what I'm missing, and it makes me like want to talk to people now because ah. I know what it's like to not have it. Um, but yeah, it's like it was good, I think, just to be alone uh, while everyone was going crazy during the pandemic. Uh, but yeah, it's like now I get to choose to go into it, like because I got I I uh, I wanted to talk to people now. Yeah. Instead of being like a, a thing that's mandatory, now it's like something a choice. that's a privilege. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, when you're out in the desert, the dating life out in the desert, <laughs> you know, do did you find some women that were like loved that you lived in a van? Yeah. Was there any women like that? Was like, oh, good, because we can go anywhere at any time, yeah. like free spirit type of thing. Yeah, there was some women
1: that loves it, not enough to be my girlfriend or anything. <laughs> <laughs> But the idea of it, yeah. Yeah, the idea
0: sounds cool. (laughs) Hey, we can go anywhere you want. And how would you break it to them? Like, really, like when you're on a date, you meet somebody, how would you break it to them? Like, yo, this is my house.
1: (laughs) Um, Usually I met people through open mics, a comedy. So they already knew because I did jokes about it and everyone knew about it. It It's like a, a common knowledge thing um i really didn't meet anyone outside of comedy so you dated some comedians yeah i I just wouldn't tell them or if i had to tell them i'd be like oh i live in you know uh new rochelle or like Um, east new york or somewhere far away
0: did you ever try like you really liked a girl and was like i can't let her know i lived in a van you just rented a hotel room like you (laughs) you didn't have much money but you're like Screw it. I'm going for it. No, it never
1: came to that. I would (laughs) have. It just never really occurred.
0: Okay. So pandemic, you're in the desert, just chilling. Everybody's going crazy. Then you find out Rogan and the whole crew moves from L.A. to Austin. And unlike L.A. where you, you didn't hang around that long, you were like, I'm going to Austin. Yeah. Why was that? Was that because of Kill Tony or was that because of Rogan? What was that?
1: I wanted to check it out. I just wanted to see what it was like because it's so new. No one's ever done that before. And I was sick of the duopoly of New York and L.A. Like yeah. These are the only two choices. I mean, they're great cities, but it should be more diversity. It shouldn't be like everyone because it's such a fucking uh, uh, madhouse. Yeah. Everyone moves there.
0: And like I, I was telling a friend the other day, L.A. audience is so spoiled. I've seen lineups with Sebastian, Bill Burr, other killers on the lineup, and it's like tickets still available, and it only holds 250 seats. I'm like, dude, this just shows you the problem with LA people. You are so spoiled. You got dudes on a lineup that would sell out stadiums, and you can't sell 250 tickets because your head is up your ass. Think you're too cool, or you've seen them before. I mean, it's just I'm so glad I don't live there anymore. I live <laughs> in Vegas, but so you go to you go to Austin. And what happens? Like, how long are you hanging out before it's like, oh, you got a chance to meet? How, how was it? Did you meet Tony? Did you just go on the show? Did you meet yeah, Rogan? I did it twice.
1: I talked to Tony there. Um, you just walked up to him? No, no. After the Maybe after shows or something, I uh-huh. said hi. But never really talked to him. And then he got canceled for the ping-dang thing. And that So was he's looking end. for an Asian yeah. to be his friend. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you were that guy. I was the Asian. There you are. So, so he gets canceled for the paying thing. And then how'd y'all meet after a show? You just walked up to him.
1: I saw him at the Creek and then he was like, Hey, you want to sing the national anthem <laughs> when we come back just to be an Asian singing the national anthem. That
0: is hilarious. <laughs> and you did it obviously.
1: Yeah. I, okay. I would have done anything. Right. Um, But yeah, I did that. Um, You know, uh, before that I was came in March and then I, Became a regular. I sang the National Anthem May 31st. So it was about like two uh, months, two and a half
0: months you were there. And finally, so you sang that. And then what happened after that?
1: And then he said, come back next week. I'll give you a spot. I was like, oh, nice. I get a spot on guaranteed spot on Kill Tony. That's dope. Yeah. I was so excited. I got to prepare. So I went up there, did uh, some jokes. And then they were like, you want to be the new regular when whoever isn't in
0: town? Yeah. Who was the regular then, or that Peng guy was out
1: now? Peng was never a he regular. Wasn't.
0: So who was the regular then?
1: It was William Montgomery and David Lucas and Michael Lair. Got you. And then Michael Lair, or uh, David Lucas, was out of town a lot. So they are like, you want to be his replacement? And then I was the first Austin regular.
0: Dude, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And it's changed your life.
1: Yes, totally. I'm, I'm rich now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. I mean, you got your own place now. Yeah, I'm
1: like a member of society.
0: You are I like can you walk got, into stores. Like I, I see, I see uh, at the shows. Women love you. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. your dating life has probably increased a lot. Yeah, it's so easy now. It's <laughs> <laughs> it is right. Yeah. It's so crazy how fame. Women are just totally different. Like you, you're the same person as driving that van. Yeah. You know, but now you're on a popular show. Yeah. is it I mean I mean what I don't know. What's to say about people? Like I it's just so wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean even men like me more.
0: Dude, I, I see men crowd around you more than girls.
1: I know. Yeah. They kind of cock block
0: me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get out of the
0: way. There's a woman. Right? Right. So so Kill Tony, you become a regular, you're crushing it on it. And um, I'm sure Rogan popped by a couple times. And then when was the first time Tony said, I want to take you on the road or Rogan was like, let's, let's go. Uh, I think it was after I had sex with someone in a broom closet and what? then, Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, I know the stripper. So you had like, and you talked about it on the pot on
1: Kill Tony. The, I met her through Kill Tony and after Kill Tony, we had sex in a broom closet at the club. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, she was from, was she from the yellow rose?
1: No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Maybe, but um, yeah, she did that, and then Greg Fitzsimmons talked about it on Joe Rogan's podcast about this crazy Asian guy, and then <laughs> and then I got to do one of the Vulcan shows opening oh, up for yeah. Rogan.
0: Now, if you don't know, if you don't live in Austin, Rogan does pretty much a weekly show at Vulcan and brings his friends up. So that you must have been shitting your pants on that, yeah. bro. My
1: hero, the guy that started me in comedy, the biggest podcaster in the world. And then I open up for him and then like
0: Hold on, but, to- but you're just skimming by that. Like, did he text you? Did he have a person reach out? Because that's a cool moment when somebody that big I still look, I've known Rogan for 21 years, but when he texts me, I still get giddy. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm like I'm like, oh my God. You know, like because it's so cool that you know. One of the biggest, I mean, you could say stars in the world. Like my other fr- good friend is Enrique Iglesias. And when he hits me up, I get giddy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, Enrique <laughs> fucking Iglesias. Yeah. Is this real life? Is this, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like, am I, is this real? <laughs> I so, guess. so did he reach out to you or was it one of his people? Tony did. And he goes, yo, you wanna be at the Vulcan? Yeah. Dude. So, <laughs> how long did you have? Uh, what would they give you? Five, ten? Ten. 10. 10. And did 15. you destroy? Uh, I did all right
1: for a consistent amount of time. Uh-huh. And he was like, you're funny. That's the most important thing. You got a kid kind of thing, which is great. <laughs> like a father. You got yeah. a kid.
0: You got a kid.
1: It was like a little kid meeting Babe Ruth for yeah. the first time. Yeah. He gives you a bat or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's And then it just grew from there. Yeah. And then uh, eventually you're going to stadiums with him. Yeah. Was that like your first stadium? Was that nerve-wracking? Yeah. It's weird because I've done some of those where it's a different ball game. It almost feels you're performing to yourself because yeah. it's so many people and the sound travels sometimes slow, sometimes fast. You hear like the front of the audience before you hear the back of the audience. Uh your first experience where was that? Like this,
1: star Arena in Jacksonville uh Florida. Florida, Florida. Right? Yeah.
0: And how'd you adjust?
1: Uh, I was just like, be honest and authentic in the moment and be excited because I was so excited. So I was like, just be a kid yeah. in a candy shop. Like I've been telling dick jokes in bars. Now <laughs> I get to yell it at people in an arena. And I was just like, just enjoying like being able to cuss in front of 10, That's what 000. I'm
0: saying. People, you know, I, I, I used to get caught up in all these big moments. But then, if you think about it, it's just another show. I mean, it's a lot more people, yeah. But it's another show, yeah. You know, and the main thing is dealing with the the just the different dynamics of the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the like it rolls in. You know, and you got to kind of wait a little longer for the punchline to hit. If you're new to that, so I've seen comics that have never done it before, and they just run through all their jokes, and they get caught in the middle because the laugh yeah. hits them late. You know, and what I the mean? audience
1: doesn't laugh. Because they're like, oh, he's gonna interrupt. Don't laugh. He's gonna say yeah. something now. Yeah,
0: it's it's very weird. It's very weird. Yeah. So, um, your life has changed. You're on the road. What's been the, just out of your career to this moment, which is a very inspiring story. What has been the worst time in your life? Was there like <laughs> a worst point in your life?
1: Um. Yeah. Probably like in the. I had a minivan. Uh. You know, stuck in Gowanus in New York. I was like fixing up my car and I couldn't find my keys. I was like, I'm going to hit an open mic today. And then I couldn't find my keys. And I was like, well, I can't move. I can't do anything. So I found my keys, eventually found it. But it was just living in a van, no money, no credits, just trying to go to an open mic, just looking for my keys, like an animal, Yeah, you know, just shitting in plastic bags and stuff. Just not even having the basic human decencies and rights and little perks and just like, just going pure primal, just yeah, just from the the bottom of that.
0: So how's that feel? I mean, this is an obvious question, but I know it feels great now where you are. But it must you must have a different appreciation than a person yeah. that never had to go through. It. You <laughs> I know? Don't, like you have those life experiences,
1: man. right? I mean, I was a a child of a lower lower upper class people. Yeah, so I was always like cosplaying. I knew I could always. Bounce out if I had to. Okay. okay. Yeah. So
0: what what made you, did you just, was like, I don't want to depend on your parents? Or what yeah. was it?
1: Yeah, I didn't want to depend on my parents. I also didn't think that the exchange rate for my labor was fair. I uh-huh. didn't feel like I could trust the system to pay me fairly or to yeah. use my time efficiently.
0: Well, f- It's kind of weird, and I, I, I don't know your parents, I don't know the situation, but it's kind of weird. Any parent will let their kid just live in a van and not <laughs> try to help out. Or were they fine with it?
1: Well, I don't think I really gave them a choice. I just okay. did it. I didn't want them to worry about me. I don't think I really told them, um, but they found out obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was living with them for five years, from twenty three to twenty eight. Uh-huh. So they kind of did their part. They did their thing. Yeah. yeah. And then they just sent me off when I was twenty eight, which is old enough. It's not like I was twenty two. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Did did. um what do they think about about all this craziness now?
1: I don't know. I, I think they're happy and satisfied, yeah. and yeah, they they're glad it worked out because they were like really worried for me. I got suspended from college for shoplifting. They What'd found drugs. Uh, just like plates and a computer mouse, and I've just filled my backpack with like random stuff that I needed.
0: A target or something?
1: Yeah, target. It and was Atlantic target station. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Did someone chase you out of the store? Or how to go down?
1: A policeman was at the entrance, like, you need to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> they were watching me the whole time through a camera. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I got pre-trial diversion. I got the same lawyer that uh, that Gregory and Travis McMichaels had for uh-huh. shooting Ahmaud Arbery. Oh my God! <laughs> really? Yeah, Jason Sheffield, I got that lawyer before that, you know what? <laughs> and he got me off with pretrial diversion,
0: and what does that mean?
1: It means like it's my first crime, it's oh. a misdemeanor, so they just had me do community service, which I forged oh.
0: <laughs> 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 That's hilarious yeah. so I mean, so what what do you what's the perfect? like outcome of all this for you? Is it because, you know, people have different goals, mm-hmm. you know, like if it stopped now, if, if you stayed at where you're at now, would you be satisfied? Like what's your end goal for all this?
1: Um, I would like to like write really, really good jokes consistently to the point where people are like, Oh, that's the guy that writes really, really good jokes consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, the respect of my peers in comedy, uh, and then the ability to, uh, get on the road and do it myself. Yeah. And then put out good specials that are critically acclaimed. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm working towards now. But other than that, I'm not really interested in, like, movies or anything. I think just being, like, George Carlin.
0: So your hobby is pretty much comedy. You don't...
1: Yeah. I don't really do much else.
0: I got you. I got you. It's, It's interesting. We were talking just about, like, how craziness the world is right now, you know, like... Cause I hear it in your comedy, it's coming out in my comedy. But we, off, you know, when we're in the green room, we talk about just crazy stuff we're seeing in the world. Like, what, what really, like, in the world right now has you going, man? We need to fix this, or this is really fucked up. <laughs> uh, in the news
1: right now, um, I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, I just think that we should uh, maybe just run this country like Sim City instead of like based on gut feeling and religion
0: i you know i was talking about the other day it's kind of like you know you got people you see pictures of like people that run the country and they all look the same Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like this this country is very diverse and when you look at it it, it's really not in president whether you like him or not and whether you like donald trump or not they're freaking old they're Mm -hmm. my dad's age (laughs) and when i look at my dad i go i would be petrified if he was president, <laughs> sometimes my dad just says random shit, you know, it's just like, <laughs> so I, it's kind of like these guys are my dad's age and president. Yeah. You know, it, it's pretty amazing. Like our country can't get a 40 or 50 year old president. Yeah. You know, I don't know. What do you think about our whole, but, but when I go to places like here, for instance, where Tempe, Arizona is one of the redest reddest places on earth, but yet at the show, You had a black and Jewish guy, a Korean guy, you, me, black and Korean. It's filled with white people, and we're all having a good time. Mm. It seems like comedy is the only bridge that can actually bring people together. You know? Yeah. I mean, the
1: president of Ukraine is a comedian. Donald Trump is sort of a comedian.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's true.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's true. If he wasn't funny, it'd be so much harder to do what he does. It
0: it would be. I, I just think with comedy, too, it's the only time people have to listen. Yeah. Because if you don't listen, you don't get it. yeah. Where everything else you can talk over people just to try to make your point. And it's the only time people are like, oh, I'm here to listen and laugh and if I talk or do it, I'm gonna miss that. yeah And I think that I think that's why comedy is so potent and I think it's very weird that comedians are held to the same level as politicians a lot of times, which blows me away. <laughs> like they will take what a comedian says and run with it like it's news. Yeah. They forget we're comedians. We're cracking <laughs> jokes. But yeah. they'll let politicians get away with a lot of different things.
1: Yeah, cuz it's normal. Like the Joker says it's planned out. It is. Yeah. It's
0: just screwed up, man. It's just screwed up. Um, so what's next for you, man? What's next uh, for you? Are you on tour right now? Are you What's your 2023 looking like?
1: I am sparsely booked, you know, here and there. I got a couple gaps in my weekends which I'm going to utilize cuz this past year I've been just going every weekend and it's a little tiring
0: yeah it's really tiring yeah it's really tiring. it's you know when i first started going on the road i used to talk to comedians and they would come back from tour like just a weekend and they would go i'm exhausted i was like what are you talking about all you're doing is talking up there this before i was a comedian <laughs> but then it's a superpower when you're up there all your senses are so high it's amazing you can say and act hear conversations hear an order from a waitress look at this guy going he's not having a good time it's just very it's very i I, it's kind of like it's an out-of-body experience yeah you you ever feel that like i I can't believe all these senses are so big right now
1: yeah like i can see everything that's happening and And it's slow i gotta take into account all these people it's like uh chess like chess players burn so many calories because they're just thinking 17 moves ahead
0: yeah it's just exhausting it's exhausting and <clears throat> and i also understand why um comics feel so alone on the road because you come off a high it's so high when you get off the stage and then it drops because you got to wait till the next show and then you got to bring it up high and then when at the hotel it's just like
1: lonely. complete opposite yeah and then just you know killing time and you don't have anything that you're comfortable with there like, you, you you know, I don't have my inversion table. I don't have my people. Yeah. i got my
0: support group. Yeah. It's, and even like, I like to bring friends on the road, but it's still different. Like, we're at this Moxie Hotel in Tempe. It's a, man, look, I talk, I'm not dogging a, well, I am dogging a hotel. It's one of the worst hotels I've ever stayed in <laughs> because the walls are paper thin. I hear everything. In the next room. There was this lady. They should kick people out of hotels that are sick. And they know they're sick. This lady was hacking all, like, disgusting hacking. Like, all that. It kept me up. I had to put, like, I had to put the Bose headphones on to sleep. And I was like, and the night before, I had to move rooms because they had these college kids that were just yapping away at 6 a.m. It's been the worst experience ever. (laughs) It's horrible, man. I can't sit. And the beds suck.
1: Yeah. Don't stay at the
0: moxie. That's what I'm saying. Stay away from the freaking moxie. (laughs) It's horrible. It's horrible.
1: All right. Blankets are super thin.
0: Oh, dude. It's the worst. Yeah. It is. It's like just nothing. They they shouldn't even (laughs) have. It's almost like not even having blankets. on. Yeah.
1: It's like the walls are made out of the blankets. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: It's horrible, man. I freaking hate that hotel. They said everything else was sold out because all these students go back to school next week. Yeah. So everybody's in town, like yeah. parents and stuff. I think there was like a mathlete thing going on. Yeah, something like that. A lot of young nerds. Yeah. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, they were freaking <laughs> nerds, bro. Yeah. Like smart nerds. You could tell they're just smart. Yeah. You know, they have nothing going for them except Socially running the weird. country for about <laughs> 10 years, you know.
1: Yeah, they're going to move to San Francisco
0: soon. Build a tech company and freaking kill it, man. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully tonight you know, I'll at least you
1: sleep. have a guitar in your room. They play a guitar in every Do you room. play guitar? I do. You yeah. do, right? Yeah. That's
0: a good way to pick up chicks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's think. a little on the nose, <laughs> but isn't
0: it? Like they like singing and stuff, right? It's an
1: added bonus. Yeah. But it's it's hard to just like get chicks from that because it's so obvious. They're like, oh, you're gonna do that.
0: Oh, have you tried that? And the girl's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I can't play any instrument. I got kicked out of band because I couldn't drum roll. I was a drummer. But you know you gotta drum roll. I couldn't do that shit. <laughs> I was last chair. You know, I was horrible in band. Yeah. Comedy is the only thing I'm good at, really. And interviewing people, I'm I'm kind of good at, you know? Yeah. Man, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Hey, oh, and I'm a great father. <laughs> uh, do you of want course. a family? Uh one day. De- yes. Is that is How that old part you of you
1: when you started? Shh.
0: I was, I'll tell you the real story. I had a dream when I was 35 years old that I was at my own funeral and I was hovering over my casket and all that was around me was just random girls I hooked up with. <laughs> and I go, if I wake up, if I die today, that's my legacy. So then I started dating to marry. First dates, I would ask them if they want to get married in the next couple of years. Like, I didn't care. Because if they're into it it's all good and I it took me two years to find my wife man but so I got married at 37 and it's been the best thing ever for me because right. <clears throat> I kind of talk about it in my stand but I like I like predictability I like going home knowing what I'm gonna get the biggest problem being single and older you're you get home and you're lonely so now you're calling people you don't really want to hang out <laughs> with and spending money on them. Because you just don't want to be by yourself. Yeah. And that's what I caught, like, around 35 that started happening. It was like, I'm just hanging out with people I don't even want to be with. <laughs> but, you know, they're yeah. hot or they're this. And, you know, let me just go out, spend money on dinners. And I was just, I wasted so much money in my, like, 33 to 37. I've wasted so much money. <laughs> because you just don't want to be, because you're older and you have a sense, like, when you're young, you have friends that will go out. And you're still at the age. You're 33, right? 33. 33. You still have to age, and plus the podcast, the, the type of people you can always go out and have fun. I was working <clears throat> from like nine a.m. Well, eight a.m. to five every day, so when I got home, I was tired. So I was like, "Well, let me hang out with somebody a couple of hours." So it's just like a, a machine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have to like get them early and then pay <clears throat> for dinner, or you can hang out
0: with them all night till two a.m. Yeah. Either or. And in Miami, it was even worse because they had after-hour clubs. Oh, my God. Dude, I remember, and this was when I was young, 20s. I would go to Miami, go to a, uh, you would go to a club. It would end that two, and you're like, all right, all right, let's go, let's go. And they would go, oh, let's go to after-club. You go to after-club four, you're like, okay, let's go. This. Then they're like, oh, let's go to that space. It was called space. That would go to noon. <laughs> and then finally, you just give up on it. You're like, "Screw it, I'm going home, man. I can't do this."
1: Yeah, in Miami, you gotta like pull the trigger. You gotta like uh, now. Yeah, or never. You gotta yeah, now or never. Yeah,
0: I had friends in Miami that would wake up at 1 a.m. to go out. Till oh noon. my god, it's a different Miami's, beast.
1: Yeah, Miami's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's a different beast, man.
1: This is why they hated me when I was there opening.
0: <laughs> so, do you think they really? How'd you? Okay, so. Hans opened for me. We we did Miami together, and this was was that the first weekend I took you out. Yes. <clears throat> so, and the
1: improv. improv. Dania Beach. No,
0: it was the uh, day. It was Miami improv. Uh, or Beach. Dan- it's uh, one of them. One of them. How did how did you feel it went?
1: I felt like they were like what? Yeah. Like, This is weird. Like why are you? Like, I felt like, have you never seen Woody Allen, you know, like Demetri Martin? Like, people like me exist. Like, they were, like, so against
0: nerds. Yeah. It was very weird. Because I, when I'm in the back, and you can hear my laugh over everybody, (laughs) because I was enjoying his set. I thought, I I still, I, I mean, I think you're hilarious, but for some reason... Even, it was kind of that, like that the whole weekend, right? Yeah. Like five shows. It was some something wasn't connecting with you in that crowd. And I was like, I hope, I hope you're okay after
1: that.
0: <laughs> you know, I really thought, because you're such a good guy, I was like, did that affect you any, or you kind of just brushed it off?
1: I mean, yeah, I loved the feedback, because then it's like, oh, let me try to connect with these audiences, maybe yeah. by starting out with some tamer jokes, and then move yeah. on to yeah. more... And then Gnarly we did ones.
0: and then like we did another show you did well. And then like this one, Phoenix, you're crushing, you crushed crushing you know, so I, I man, I just I just see big things for you, but I also it's also that thing is you need to, you know, you use everything you got, but you gotta go out on your own too. Yeah. And you are, and that's important because you know, when I tour with Joe, it was great seeing them fill up stadiums and auditoriums. But I was like, I want to do that, too. Yeah. You know, and until you go out on your own, because we all know this. Once that headliner goes on, nobody remembers you. when You, open <laughs> up. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like you'll have fans and stuff, but they're there to see that headliner. Yeah. And they're so excited, you know, especially yeah. when you got a big one like Joe uh, Rogan or Joe Coy or whoever is huge. Yeah. It's a different level. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's
1: hard to test out new material, too.
0: You kind of don't want to. Yeah. You just need to stick with the hits. You kind of work out the new material on your shows. Yeah. That's what I love about my (laughs) shows. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: yeah, it's like tricky because then it's like, yeah, because I want to try out new material. But yeah, you also don't want to bomb.
0: Yeah. You don't want to try out new material in front of (laughs) 17,000 people. You know? Yeah. That's a difficult environment. That's yeah. a different. So uh, before we go, what are you? Anything you're promoting? Podcasts, websites, whatever shows? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm touring. Uh, Instagram DJ Hans Kim Linktree. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be somewhere soon. So uh, yeah, <laughs> just check it out if I'm coming there. Tree. Yeah, just the Instagram. Yeah.
0: I right, and and uh, I really am happy for you, proud of you, and your story is inspiring. And I hope somebody that hears this is like never. Do, it sounds so cliche, but really never give up yeah you know but and when you get an opportunity you got to take advantage of it which you did thank you you yeah
1: i'm so super lucky every overnight success takes 10 years or 20 (laughs) or 25 yeah
0: but when it happens it's fucking great man yeah
1: there's a difference between your skill level which is like linear and then the money which is exponential so like when you're right here you don't want to like be like oh i'm just gonna give up because it's like right here you're gonna get that
0: it's so true man it's so true you just got to keep pushing and you're you're gonna fight a different battle in comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? It's kind of like <clears throat> you're probably since you're doing your own shows. Do you get stressed out over numbers of crowd there yet? Are you in that? No. range? No, I just don't there.
1: even want to think about. It. I don't have them tell me anything. If they want to tell me, that's fine. But yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to know till you get there, right? Yeah, Honest, I'm the same way.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just like why be stressed out? Because no matter if you're stressed out about it or not whoever's there is whoever's ever there. Yeah. You know, you're going to perform.
1: I would do it for 30 people, so as long as there's 30, that's fine.
0: Because no, it's true because here's what's amazing in the Humble Comics. It's like no matter if it's 30 or 30,000, you know, those are people that pay your jer- like mo- their own money. That's what's really cool. They pay their money to see you and that still <laughs> blows me away. Yeah. Like not a show where there's a band or Circus Soleil going, it's like, no, we're here to see you. (laughs) Blows me away, man. Blows me away. All right, Hans, thank you so much, bro.
1: Thank you, Michael. All
0: right, let's go eat.